0: broadcasting worldwide from the beautiful hill country in texas this is one radionetwork.com very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. And a very pleasant good morning. We are pre-recorded, so don't call in or send emails. We have plenty of emails already for Ray Pete, PhD in biology. We're going to have fun. We've heard a lot about Dr. Pete and uh, his writings and work. First through uh, a nice lady, uh, Lila Lee. Several years ago, we had her on, and she's a great fan of Ray Pete's work, and so she told us about him. And we've been never have been able to get together with Mister Pete, Doctor Pete, as I said, PhD in biology, University of Oregon, specializing in physiology. He's uh, taught at uh, University of Oregon or College Urbana Urbana, excuse me, Montana State University National College of naturopathic medicine a University of Cruzana, in Mexico, I assume, in Mexico, a lot. And uh, he began his work with progesterone and hormones in 1968. Uh, this would be great. Well, Dr. Pete, how are you, sir? Happy New Year to you. Very good, same to you. Yeah, nice to nice to have you here. You live up in uh, in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, yeah, on and off. O- off. On and off. So you spend time in Mexico. Yeah. Uh huh. And what do you do down there?
1: Oh, um, just talk to people, paint.
0: And what do you paint?
1: Oh, um, uh, just um, everything, uh-huh. uh, landscapes mostly. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. Did you ever practice medicine or uh, or work with Uh, patients or just mostly research?
1: um, Yeah, when I was at the naturopathic school, uh, sometimes they would uh, have a puzzling patient and they would uh, get me involved. Uh uh, uh, Ordinarily, I uh, just do consulting with with doctors and uh, sometimes they they send their patients. But... uh, nutrition counseling and, and mm-hmm. teaching are mm-hmm. the things I've mostly done. Mm-hmm. So
0: when you have a puzzling patient, what kind of things do you test or or do to figure out, try to figure out what's going on with them?
1: Oh, uh, it is always different. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, I think the basic thing is to look at the person as a unique case and the uh, Look at their whole history and uh, what their their aims are, as well as their origins, and uh, you, you can uh, often find out what the problem is just by what they've been doing and how how their development has gone. And uh, they'll very often know uh, pretty much what's wrong with them better than the doctors do. Uh, uh, doctors tend to indoctrinate uh, the person to believe that they have what has been diagnosed in them. But if you look at them as an individual, uh, very often that's not a problem at all.
0: Uh, so you're saying deep down the, the patient often knows what's, what's going on?
1: Um, yeah, very often better than, than doctors. A doctor will uh, take their blood pressure and and diagnose hypertension. But uh, that that isn 't necessarily what was bothering the person and and uh, increasingly uh, uh, high blood pressure is uh, an invention of the pharmaceutical industry and never would hurt the person uh, within the range that they're considering a sickness and uh, the The um, actual figures show that uh, even by uh, medical standards. Uh, accidents, misjudgments by the medical industry are killing hundreds of thousands of Americans every year. And if you uh, interpret the uh, evidence uh, looking outside of hospitals, that's just hospital accidents uh, account for 100,000 or so. But it's close to a million people a year uh, even by conventional medical standards, who are being killed unnecessarily mm-hmm. by by these accidents? Yeah.
0: Um. So. So, Doctor Pete, uh, one sixty over ninety or one eighty over a hundred or something. Um. Are you saying that that's not an issue, not a problem?
1: Uh, occasionally, uh, for it to get up to hundred and sixty over or ninety isn't bad, but uh, that same person. If you look at them in the afternoon when they aren't listening to the news or something that irritates them, uh, they might be 140 over 90, and uh, that's perfectly okay for a middle-aged person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, in the morning uh, when they uh, have sort of dehydrated during the night, uh, their blood will be thicker and they, they might be 140. Fifty mm-hmm. every morning, but if it goes down to 130 in the afternoon, that's perfectly healthy.
0: Is 110 over 60 even better? Uh, for for like somebody, somebody 40, 50, 60.
1: Uh, well, uh, sometimes it isn't, sometimes mm-hmm. it is.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, just really, really depends. Yeah. Uh, so if you got a chart on the wall, and you go by that. You're saying the docs are are on thin ice when they do that.
1: Um, yeah, and the drug companies have convinced them sure. that 140 over 90 is a serious problem, but mm-hmm. it isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a few minutes after the hour here with Pete. We're going to get to all of your emails that you sent in. So let's, kick, let's dig right into nutrition. Um, we are what we eat and all of that, Dr. Pete. Um, are we all that different? Where Patrick, your host here, might do really nicely on whatever, you know, meat and vegetables and more paleo kind of thing, and and Ray Pete maybe may do better on brown rice three or four times a week, and but for me maybe that's too much. Um, talk a little bit about that what you have seen all these years about when it comes to nutrition.
1: Uh, uh, we're a very tough organism compared to uh, rats, for example. Uh, we can stand. A tremendous uh, uh, stress that other animals couldn't stand mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons. Uh, our, our high metabolic rate and uh, a big brain and uh, a powerful glandular system uh, give us a, a great adaptive ability, but uh, you can see in uh, areas that have lived for um, many generations on a certain kind of diet, mm-hmm. that, uh, that their health shows that objectively that diet uh, isn't good. Something is, is either missing or uh, too much. What would uh, be good. an example of that? Oh, uh, the, the um, Some of the nearly vegetarian uh, villages in Africa and South America, uh, people age very fast and uh, are dying off by the time they're 40 uh, of infectious diseases. And uh, the um, explorer who, about 80 years ago, uh, was um, studying the diet of the Eskimos, uh, he observed that uh, they could uh, avoid scurvy uh, by eating a purely meat diet. And uh, he popularized the idea that you don't need uh, the fruits and vegetables because uh, meat is a good source of vitamin C. But he himself observed that the uh, people eating uh, that traditional high-meat Eskimo diet uh, looked very prematurely aged. And uh, just in the last two or three years, uh, that is being explained as a, a phosphate poisoning basically uh, the the ratio of uh, phosphate to calcium the, the, when it 's too high it accelerates degeneration uh, there's a a protein huh. that
0: and how do you get too high of phosphate uh, with
1: um, well, a pure grain diet, oh, or, just grains, or a, pure, like... or a pure meat diet, either one, either one, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm.
1: so it can be vegetarians or meat eaters who are basically causing the same kind of toxic inflammatory reaction.
0: Hmm. So, so in, most people should maybe look at if they're going to do if they're going to eat meat, to also do some grains.
1: Um, Well, no, the grains are just as bad as the meat of phosphate source. Oh, uh, I see, I see. So um, the ruminants live on basically leaves by preference, and leaves have an extremely high ratio of magnesium and calcium to phosphorus. And so um, their milk is uh, a, a pretty safe ratio. It's got about one and a third calciums per phosphate which is a, a very safe amount. But vegetarians who uh, either eat lots of fruit or who cook their greens, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there are some diets that have um, up in the high-altitude areas of South America and Asia. Uh, there have been people who eat lots of cooked greens as well as um, uh, usually uh, sheep or goat cheese mm-hmm. and milk. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a very uh, longevity-supporting kind of diet.
0: Really? Uh, Cooked very... greens and goat cheese? <laughs> well, that sounds pretty good. Now, so so, so, cooking greens, kale, cabbage, uh, broccoli, all those things, it's a good thing.
1: Um, yeah, uh, we can't digest them in the raw form uh, yeah. just because the cellulose encloses the nutrients and makes them inaccessible to our enzymes. There was a study hmm. about 1945 with uh, feeding. People were talking about the, the loss of nutrients in canned vegetables. And uh-huh. So and they, they fed one group of rats uh, vegetables out of cans and another group of fresh vegetables of exactly the same kind. And the uh, ones eating the canned vegetables thrived, no. grew normally, really? <laughs> and uh, the ones eating the raw vegetables just couldn't digest enough to uh,
0: grow properly. Isn't that interesting. So, uh, Doctor Pete, is there anything going on if you have a nice big salad, romaine lettuce, and maybe raw uh, peppers and carrots and you know the uh, and sprouts and stuff? I mean, are we getting anything there? Getting anything there?
1: Um, Well, uh, some people have a very vigorous peristalsis and they can get it through and it sweeps out their intestine and that can be a very good effect uh, because the liver puts out some of its toxins in the bile and uh, uh, tries to get rid of of the toxins by excreting them through the intestine. Mm -hmm. But if you have a sluggish bowel and not much moving through it, uh, the intestine reabsorbs those toxins, and so they recycle. And uh, your many toxins accumulate, especially estrogen. Uh, the liver should uh, make all of the estrogen that it experiences uh, into a soluble form and excrete them. But if you don't have bulk or movement in your intestine, you reabsorb those and uh that messes up your whole uh, endocrine system. So people with with a, a good uh, physical activity and good thyroid function so that their intestine is active, uh, the fibers of any sort will uh, take down the toxins. But because the, uh, the raw vegetables or undercooked vegetables uh, can be attacked by bacteria, If they stay in the intestine too long Mm -hmm. and the bacteria will produce toxins, uh, many people, by the time they're in their 30s, will start having uh, digestive problems if they're eating salad every day. And it happens that uh, root vegetables, such as carrots, uh, have to defend themselves against uh, bacteria and, and fungus in the soil. So they have powerful antibiotics. And uh, raw carrots will go right through you without uh, being digested and probably not being attacked significantly by fungus or bacteria. But uh, leaves, if if you, for example, put uh, a wad of lettuce into a baggie and put it in your pocket for a few days and a a package of uh, raw carrots in another baggie, keep them at body temperature for two or three days, you'll see that the carrots are in pretty good condition Mm -hmm. uh, despite despite being sealed and warm. But the the lettuce will probably be rotten and uh, very foul.
0: Sure, sure. And the same thing happens for folks who don't move it through the whole transit time quickly with raw. Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, and the um, the great interest in fiber that... uh, developed in the United States. Um, Partly there was a a trend around 1900, but it came back uh, with uh, uh, the oat bran publicity in the 1970s. But but the um, person who had studied uh, the effect of fiber in preventing bowel cancer in Africa came to the U.S. and said, why is everyone eating oat bran? Uh, He was talking about uh, potatoes, cooked potatoes in the diet, which are a great uh, and pretty safe kind of fiber. But Australian studies found that oat bran in particular uh, promoted bowel cancer in rats. Oh, good. Oh,
0: God. (laughs) So are cooked potatoes pretty good, Uh, even sweet potatoes or those little organic new potatoes or baked potatoes? Are they pretty good food?
1: Yeah, very good. Um, really? The um, good. New Guineans um, uh, live on basically uh, the traditional diet was almost pure potatoes for 51 weeks out of the year then they would have pork feasts for one week.
0: No kidding. Wow. And how long did they live a long time?
1: Uh, they didn't have any heart disease, um, mm-hmm. not a high rate of, of cancer, any degenerative disease.
0: Hmm. So potatoes, I have always thought, Dr. Pete, of those of having their share of sugar uh, turning to sugar similar to maybe rice or, or pasta
1: or bread or something and yeah,
0: could, could the, have some issues in, with the heart, but not so.
1: Yeah, the starch, all the starches do turn to sugar. Yeah. But the um, other ingredients in potatoes are very different from uh, the cereals. The, the cereal is a, a storage form that has to be dormant for several months until the, uh, the next season. The potato is always moist and metabolizing, mm-hmm. and, and so it's always in a physiological state, uh, not concentrated and dehydrated. And uh, mm-hmm. it, that means that it has a good balance of all of the s- intracellular minerals associated with uh, the starch. Uh, so the uh, you you have a better uh, balance of, of phosphorus and, and calcium, for example, than mm-hmm. in seeds. Uh, the, the high phosphate concentration in the seed is in the form of phytic acid or a similar thing that uh, binds minerals, uh, so that the minerals are are concentrated in association with this phytic acid. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it sprouts, then it forms cells and uh, becomes uh, relatively good nutrition. But a potato is always in that uh, really living state uh, with just uh, granules of of starch uh, within uh, functioning cells.
0: So there's no concern, or what about the, and it's been such, for a long time, of nightshades and arthritis, and they're bad, and where did all this come from? And you're saying it's not true.
1: Oh, uh, no, they are they are allergenic. Oh, they are allergenic. Yeah, nutritionally, there a uh, potato is almost a perfect food, but uh, the whole family uh, eggplant, tomato, peppers, and potatoes are, um, are pretty allergenic.
0: <laughs> oh boy! So how do we find out if we should be eating
1: those things? Well, oh, um, if you lay off them for about a week, mm-hmm. you'll you'll see if your symptoms subside.
0: Okay so if you don't have any symptoms and you eat a baked potato or a sweet potato, and what kind of symptoms would you get uh, um, to 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 give me maybe a clue that you' got some allergy thing going on
1: Well, sweet potatoes are a special issue if they 're orange colored uh-huh. um, the carotene interferes with the breakdown of the starches, and they' are likely to be uh, to have more fibrous starch than a white potato. Huh. And so um, a sweet potato can cause a lot of gas because uh, th- it's slow to digest because of the the uh, carotene in it. Hmm.
0: Uh, so so actually you mean a white baked potato is even preferable nutritionally to a sweet potato?
1: Um, yeah, for ease of digestion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the um, protein quality in the any potato is higher than the protein quality of an egg, uh, so you can't look at a chart which shows you uh, sure. two or three parts of starch for every part of protein, because the uh, m- much of the protein value is present in the form of small molecules uh, that are equivalent to the essential amino acids, so it just doesn't show up in the analysis as protein. But when you eat it, it counts as better than egg yolk,
0: probably we mean and it's it's it 's okay and uh, to just put pounds of butter on them it's good for you
1: um especially uh, uh, with butter,, yeah. b- because uh, pure starch digests quickly, it turns into pure glucose rather than uh, half fructose, mm-hmm. and the pure glucose is a powerful stimulant to insulin secretion uh, fat production and adding butter or cream slows the digestion, so it isn't such a powerful insulin stimulant, but it also uh, reduces the um, chance of what's called persorption of starch granules. Uh, A starch granule is um, a potato starch granule, happens to be very big. Other starches are uh, more the size of a, a red blood cell, but a potato starch granule is uh, several times fatter than that. But even these huge uh, granules bigger than cells can get squeezed right through the wall of the intestine enter the, uh, the lymphatics and the blood system. So within 30 minutes after you eat uh, starch without fat, you see these starch grains circulating through your blood And if they're big, they'll plug up your arterioles. uh, Studies in mice showed that uh, a high raw starch diet uh, accelerated their aging. And uh, you could demonstrate areas of of every organ that were being killed by um, plugging up the arteries, feeding the, the areas.
0: So the fat is key. The fat is yep. key to have with, with starches.
1: Yeah, good, thorough cooking yep. plus some fat. Good
0: good job. We're with Ray Pete, and as you could tell, he's a real scientist. What a great fun. Uh, it is called raypeet.com, his website. My name is Patrick Timpone. This is oneradionetwork.com. Happy New Year to you. We have a, a lot of great shows for you we're going to have. Sharon and I will bring you, and we appreciate your ongoing support. Of our sponsors like this one here. We're talking with health motivator Daniel Vitalis about testosterone and pine pollen. Some of the guys have asked if taking pine pollen would dampen their own testosterone production.
1: That's a fantastic question, but I want to remind people that pine pollen is a whole food. That's something that can happen with the steroidal forms of isolated bioidentical testosterone. And That's one of the issues bodybuilders who are taking steroids often have. But what I want to point out about pine pollen is that it's a whole
0: food, and the amount of testosterone that's present is very rarefied. So these aren't really issues that we experience when we take the whole food form of pine pollen or a tincture of pine pollen, but it is an issue if people are taking synthetic testosterone. It's a great product, two to choose from the gold and what they call the four Ps. You'll see it there. And for a limited time, when you order pine pollen and other survival products, Going through our website, use promo code One Radio for a real ten percent discount right here on oneradionetwork.com. dot If you're thinking about a exercise program for 2014, please consider these rebounders. We have been I've been using mine for well twenty years now. See how strong I am? Can you tell? Twenty years, and and I I jump on the rebounder probably five six times a week oh, well five six times during the day and maybe two or three times during that day sometimes just for three or four minutes or five minutes in the afternoon after i've been on the computer for two three hours i'll go downstairs and just jump around for five minutes it's so flexible uh, like this where you're not going to go out and jog for five minutes right i mean who's going to do that or you could run up and down your stairs i guess that works but this is fun because you just go there and jump and jump and bounce around. And I have a few little weights, uh, three, four, five, six pounders. You can do jumping jacks. Uh, I like to, after I eat, some in the evening, uh, 6, 6.30, try to get done by then so I can sleep well. Um, I'll, I'll uh, just walk in place with my knees high, rub my stomach in a circular demotion, uh, um, circular motion, and do that for uh five minutes or so to help digest the food. And that seems to work real nicely. Uh, it's an old Chinese thing where you, if you walk 50 paces rubbing your stomach, uh, it helps to digest your food. And this does the same thing, and you just do, walk right on the rebounder. We sell them for $319 tax title license, complete, delivered in all uh, in the continental U.S., and then uh, fifty extra bucks if you live in Canada or Hawaii, fifty extra dollars or Alaska. And uh, email me with your address in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada, and I'll confirm that uh, uh, th- that price. Just to make sure that it is. Sometimes it's fifty-five or sixty bucks, depending on what part of the the country you live in. And uh, and then I'll, I'll arrange for you to get the extra money. But they're really nice and lifetime warranty. Lifetime warranty. Go figure. When's the last time? Lifetime warranty. That's the Rebound Air from OneRadioNetwork.com. You can click and order anytime. We are listener-supported. One Radio Network. Okay, we're pre-recorded here this morning. Happy New Year to you. This is Patrick Timpone. And uh, we recorded this... uh, Late December, and uh, preceding our two weeks vacation with Dr. Ray Pete, PhD in biology, at University of Oregon. And you can look at his website, it's got some cool stuff, a lot of articles. RayPete.com. He does research, travels to Mexico, and uh, he's a painter. And uh, we're talking about one of our favorite subjects nutrition. And we're going to get your emails here. I don't want to go too long before we get into emails because we'll never get through them. Let's see, what else about nutrition? So, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you, Dr. Pete. So often in the last oh, couple of years, we've been hearing all the negative uh, things about grains, right? Uh, rice, basmati rice, brown rice, of bread, pasta, cooks, cookies, cakes, crackers, white flour. That's kind of a, I can understand that, but. That just whole organic non-GMO grains. There's a lot of people that just say these are just not good for us and we just weren't really meant to eat these things and, oh, wheat belly and all those things. Um, what's your opinion? I mean, do we, should we, should we think about eating grains? Do we need them? Would we be better off having brown rice one or two times a week? Or What do, what do you
1: think? Um, they are uh, relatively... Uh a deficient a nutritionally deficient food, but uh, if you need the uh, calories uh, that 's their basic value and uh, calories yeah and traditionally uh, wheat in in the in Asia and corn in the americas uh, these grains go way back, but they were processed by boiling the seed either in lye made from ashes huh. or, or in uh, uh, active uh, uh, high calcium hydroxide uh, to um, uh, break down uh, the toxic components. Uh, uh, it's, uh, you can get somewhat the same effect by sprouting the grain, but it, it, the traditional way and very quick and producing a tasty... Product was to boil it in the alkali. Um, the um, Most people uh, know hominy. That's a, a form of alkali-treated uh, corn. corn. Uh-huh. And when you um, grind up hominy, y- you make the traditional tortilla or a tamale. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, if, if people eat their corn in that form or the, the wheat in a similar form, uh, they aren't susceptible to um, uh, pellagra, for example, because uh, niacin is created in the calcium uh, treatment, and it lowers the uh, the problem of too much leucine in the diet from the corn. Uh, so it, it nutritionally corrects the, um, the the natural problems of the grain. And after, uh, or separately from those very ancient. Uh, processes. Uh, The um, Europeans, uh, for generations, processed their flour by soaking it uh, to let yeast grow in it, uh, to leaven it, to produce a a soft bread. And the process of soaking it and letting yeast uh, uh, grow naturally in it takes about 12 hours at, at a moderate room temperature. And in that process, enzymes... Break down the uh, storage proteins that are so allergenic, and uh, release the minerals from the uh, the storage forms, such as phytic acid, uh-huh. and and so the, uh, the traditional leavened uh, bread was much richer in B vitamins and protein and minerals. And if you eat your grains without any of those uh, old processes. Uh, you're um going to have the um, the lack of those positive nutrients as well as the excess of phosphate
0: so in china and japan now in the thousands of thousands of tons of white rice that they eat is it just a pure calorie thing and they're it, just just getting calories and not a lot of much of anything else
1: um yeah because um, in in much of the world, uh, calories are the thing to ah, keep, keep alive. I see. Uh, and, and so it's so keeping
0: it, them alive, not necessarily nurturing them.
1: Uh, no, it isn't an ideal food, except mm-hmm. when you're really hungry.
0: Yeah. So if we wanted to use brown rice, say, for just some more calories, say we wanted to maintain weight, or in my case, I'd sure like to gain a little weight, uh, how, is there a way that I could reasonably prepare say basmati organic uh, or or brown rice or something like that to to get the most bang for my buck here that wouldn't be too crazy with the preparation method
1: oh yeah um if you what um, would you do if it hasn't been either uh, roasted or irradiated before uh-huh. you get it if mm-hmm. it's still alive yeah then you can just soak it for a few hours and uh, it gets softer mm-hmm. and less starchy the longer it soaks yeah but also more nutritious. Um, the enzymes that are breaking down the toxic stuff are releasing nutrients but also synthesizing new proteins. The storage forms of the protein are always either um, irritating or allergenic or toxic, but as the enzymes process them, uh, they turn into uh, living uh, enzymes and structural proteins mm-hmm. uh, just like the plant. Mm-hmm.
0: So you just soak them in, and that does the trick. Then you, I guess then you rinse them off, put them in fresh water and then cook them up. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And just that simple process makes them a lot better food. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then you get some calories if you want some calories.
1: Uh, yeah. And um, it's especially good for uh, promoting fat production. Yeah. And the insulin, if you're having uh, enough protein with it the insulin also can stimulate muscle building
0: uh, would you actually eat protein with that meal is it okay um,
1: uh, yeah like a piece uh, of
0: steak and also some brown rice
1: oh sure sure you should always have some kind of carbohydrate with protein
0: oh boy now now you now does it does, does broccoli count that kind of carbohydrate yeah okay yeah,
1: it's okay. pretty starchy
0: pretty starchy okay so you don't have to have a, a complex carb like a tortilla or a grain or bread or something like that, or um,
1: pasta? No. The, the um, trouble with a pure meat diet is yeah. that uh, your your brain and, and blood, for example, uh, need uh, sugar, and your body is always going to produce some sugar, some glucose. Uh, and little, if you're eating a pure meat or a pure protein diet... Uh, your body is going to turn some of that into glucose and some into fat for energy uh-huh. uh, but the um, the process of uh, breaking down the protein to make sugar is also going to affect your own physiology uh, and I've known people who uh, a woman, for example, was told by her doctors to uh, eat more protein because uh, they saw that her urine contained a lot of amino acids. And she went up to, I think it was three pounds of meat a day, and she was getting weaker uh-huh. as well as fatter uh, because um, uh, her cortisol production was extremely high Yeah, because she, that's involved in turning amino acids into sugar.
0: So if somebody, many of our listeners uh, have weak adrenals, have been told they do, and blood sugar issues, keeping that balanced... What are some foods that strength uh, that help to keep the blood sugar more stable?
1: Um. Uh, the, um uh, the the main thing that keeps your blood sugar stable is the ability of your liver to store uh, sugar wherever it got it. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that it needs to store sugar is uh, the active form of the thyroid hormone. Thyroid. And huh. the thyroid hormone also um, makes you use your sugar very sparingly, uh, producing many times more uh, ATP molecules uh, per unit of, of, of food than you get if you burn it uh, or if you uh, metabolize it into uh, uh, lactic acid,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: which you do when you don't have enough thyroid so uh thyroid makes you spare your glucose, not waste it, and store it in the liver. Uh, so it's the basic thing for stabilizing your blood sugar. And if you have um, the um, cholesterol, which is produced only if your liver is in good condition, mm-hmm. uh, low cholesterol is, is behind a serious adrenal failure mm-hmm. because cholesterol is the raw material for making... Uh, the steroids, pregnenolone, progesterone, DHEA, and and cortisol. Uh, and if your cholesterol is low and your thyroid is low, then you can't make any of these. And if you uh, uh, don't make enough of the other steroids, then uh, you will turn any trace of um, progesterone or pregnenolone into uh, cortisol and get excess cortisol. So you can get either adrenal failure or adrenal overactivity uh, as a consequence of uh, having a sick liver or an underactive thyroid.
0: Is a good uh, solid number in cholesterol of 2 or 225, is that a sign that your thyroid may be, may be pretty good?
1: Um. Yeah, anywhere between 160 and and
0: 230.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's... a a healthy range but if your thyroid is a little more active the cholesterol will probably go down to 200 or 190 Mm -hmm. Um, there's this um, mirror image relationship between uh, uh, cholesterol and thyroid function Mm -hmm.
0: are you ever supporter of of folks using some kind of natural pig thyroid or whatever to to keep it I mean, are you you okay with that?
1: Yeah, Uh, when someone has Hmm. been poisoned, basically, by by stress and a bad diet, Mm -hmm. uh, many things interfere with uh, the ability to form thyroid hormone Mm -hmm. and to use it. And polyunsaturated fats uh, will interfere both with the production of the hormone, with the transport of it, and with the ability to respond to it. Uh, poisoning the mitochondria that use thyroid and sugar.
0: Those old PUFA's that Lita Lee talked about.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so when you're under stress, um, uh, by the time a person is about 30 years old, their tissues have had time to store the PUFA, even if they're not eating very much in the diet. Uh, the The body preferentially oxidizes saturated fats and sugar and puts the PUFA into storage. So then when you're stressed and 30 years old or more, uh, your blood is going to fill up with PUFA, which uh, blocks all of these thyroid functions as well as the production of of a progesterone and the other protective steroids.
0: And tell folks tell folks what PUFAs most people eat in our culture.
1: Oh, um, the liquid... Uh, Cooking oils, salad oils, are, are um, mostly uh, the, the high PUFA polyunsaturated fatty acids. Uh, corn oil, corn. soy oil, canola, mm-hmm. uh, uh, safflower seed oil, uh, fish oil. All of these are the uh, antithyroid.
0: Uh, oh, even even a, even a good fish oil. You don't like? You're not a fan of those?
1: Um, yeah, the. Uh, uh, the fish oils happened to be so unstable; mm-hmm. uh, they were used as varnish. Uh, but they were um, easier to oxidize than than soy oil, so they made better varnish. But that same thing happens in the body. Uh, in In the nineteen fifties and sixties, they were seeing when they fed too many fish to their uh, lab animals or minks or other uh, farmed animals. Uh, they had what was called a yellow fat disease, which was from the breakdown of, of these long polyunsaturated fats in fish oil. But uh, when it came out in the 1970s that the seed oils, which had been promoted to lower uh, cholesterol, the corn oil and cottonseed oil, uh, were turned turned out that they were causing heart disease as well as cancer. So uh, that opened up the market uh, for the other PUFA, the fish oil type, uh, DHA and EPA.
0: Oh, and some folks take a lot of that too, don't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, their good feature is that they break down so fast that uh, that they aren't as easily stored uh, to uh, become a, a chronic problem as the shorter, more stable seed oils.
0: Do we need do we de- de- these DHAs or EPAs, and there's people that suggest if we do some oils like borage and coconut and these kind of things that the body will make, they'll make the, the DHAs and EPAs that we need, um, like flax oil, primrose, pumpkin, uh, extra virgin coconut oil? Uh,
1: actually, there's no definite clear evidence that any of those is an essential fatty acid. And the the, um, the best thing I can say about the fish oils or the N-3 uh, fatty acids is that uh, they can uh, protect to some extent against the N-6 seed oils. But in themselves, <clears throat> they have been uh, associated with causing um, uh, increased metastatic cancer, uh, reduced brain size, uh, brain edema, um, all of the degenerative uh, problems, uh, slowed conduction of the nerves. and Some of these are turned into virtues such as immunosuppression, uh, which ordinarily is a bad thing. Uh, you can suppress your immune system and have temporary relief of inflammation. Um, and, uh, and
0: what kind of oils do this? Uh, the fish oils. The fish oils,
1: yeah. Uh, so, and uh, they also slow conduction. Hmm. So in some situations you can reduce arrhythmia of the heart just because you're desensitizing the heart. Oh. But, but it also slows your nerve conduction. And uh, w- we don't hear much in the mass media about the, the bad effects of the uh, long fish oils. But there are lots of publications uh, demonstrating.
0: So are the safest, uh, pump? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, palm kernel oil, those and, kind of things? And butter. And butter, yeah, mm-hmm. butter. Those are the safest. Yeah. And the healthiest. Uh-huh. You want to do some emails? Sure. Okay, so here's some emails that we, we asked our listeners when we found out we were going to And they've sent these in, even though we're pre-recorded here today. Uh, I'm male, hypothyroid, and have been on thyroid therapy 13 and 14 for six months. I've accumulated a lot of body fat over the last few years. And so what's the safest way to lose weight and lower estrogen, proloctin, etc., while keeping free fatty acids low? Should I take vitamin E to help while the weight is coming off to protect against prostaglandins?
1: Um, one thing that, uh, often surprises people who want to lose weight is that, uh, milk drinkers as a group are the least likely to be fat. Uh, I, s- I saw <laughs> this the first time it got me interested in it was when I was traveling. I, I saw the Russians in, uh, uh, Moscow and Leningrad, tremendous rate of, uh, obesity and, uh, their diet was heavy on bread, and they had a terrible milk supply. I went across the border to uh, Helsinki, and everyone there was slim, and uh, all the stores were full of cheese and milk. And that started me thinking about the the role of uh, calcium and dairy products in uh, preventing obesity and degenerative diseases. And it turns out that uh, the calcium itself is a major Factor in uh, preventing the inflammation process, which is uh, important in uh, turning on the fat storage business. Hmm.
0: Hmm. So you're okay with cow dairy, raw grass-fed cow dairy milk? cheese.
1: Um, okay. yeah, that's that's the um, the best practical sure. uh, major protein because of the, the very high calcium ratio to phosphate. Huh.
0: Here's an email from Matt. I think he maybe I was recommended by you. Do you Do you have patients? Uh no. I wonder where he said recommended by you. Okay, to drink orange juice as a means to increase my pregnenolone production.
1: Oh well, I I always uh, <laughs> uh, recommend drinking orange juice and milk uh, because of the uh, uh, the, the, the um, sugar and the anti-inflammatory. Uh, uh, other ingredients in the orange juice, the, the high mineral content. Um,
0: so good old-fashioned, just pure orange juice is is, is a good uh, good food, in your opinion.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and these um, uh, minor ingredients, niringenin, for example, uh, they're very important anti-estrogenic foods and uh, huh. anti-inflammatory. Hmm. Uh, uh, they're going to probably turn out to be uh, major for uh, supplements when the uh, orange industry finds a way to uh, concentrate uh, them cheaply out of the peelings.
0: I, I often heard over the years, Doc, that that just orange juice like that is just too much sugar, too much sugar to be drinking pure orange juice.
1: Well, it comes with these um, uh, high potassium, which works mm-hmm. to uh, dispose of the sugar safely. Okay, and, uh-huh. and um, uh, some magnesium. Um, and uh, calcium and so on that also help to uh, stabilize the blood sugar.
0: Matt goes on. I feel extremely hypo if I don't take thyroid. This seems to be my only side effect. However, I have some problems with orange juice. It Makes me feel very cold. If I drink about a quart, I feel almost like I drop several degrees. I also feel like the juice just collects in my stomach and just lays there like a balloon. Is this some um, kind? Of, is this some kind of allergy?
1: I, I think that's where the uh, uh, the milk or cheese is very important to um, keep the metabolic rate up uh, and uh, watch the thyroid function and there are several ways without having a blood test that you can make a pretty good guess about what your thyroid is doing yeah, if your hands and feet mm-hmm. are cold uh, colder than average uh, that's because your adrenaline is is holding your Temperature up for your brain and and heart. Okay. By, by cutting the circulation ah, to the extremities. Yeah. And um, so the oral temperature is is a good indicator in general, but uh, the um, cold extremities are the first uh, sign of of failing thyroid function.
0: I see. If a benign fatty tumor or lipoma is inflamed tissue that has gathered to protect the body from improper diet or drugs. What are some ways to melt the enclosed fat in order to shrink the lump, which is about one cup in size? Wow. I have removed all grains and other inflammatory foods.
1: I've known uh, quite a few people with uh, fairly sizable lipomas, maybe none that big, but uh, I don't think... That, Anything is uh, very clearly known. Uh, I I think that some kind of a systemic inflammatory problem is involved, uh, causing uh, the inability of the body to uh, uh, clear clear that out, Mm
0: -hmm, but mm
1: -hmm. I don't know uh, of any uh, reliable way other than uh, it's usually a very simple surgery just to have a lipoma cut out under the skin.
0: I've got a golden retriever doc that's had one for, gosh, years and years, and just stays there, and the vet says, oh, she's fine. Don't worry. Just leave it there. <laughs> it's, it doesn't grow, and it doesn't seem to bother her, you know. Um, this is from Rainy. So do you think the sugar has a huge effect on hot flashes? I've been going to a naturopathic doc for a year now and still have hot flashes, but it might be worse when I have more sweets.
1: Well, well, no. uh, There have been studies in which uh, someone would eat a huge amount of cornstarch, for example, Uh at bedtime, and that would turn off their hot flashes during the night. Really? But uh, how it works is pretty well worked out. Uh, It just isn't well publicized, but there have been uh, studies demonstrating that the the flushing, uh, especially around menopause, uh, this periodic flushing involves the release of nitric oxide in the blood vessels, uh, causing vasodilation, causing heat loss, and the the brain has a, a temperature regulator which activates uh, the uh, production of nitric oxide to cause this heat loss because something is setting this thermostat in the brain lower uh, if your brain is telling your body to cool off even though it's already subnormal temperature usually. And what happens is the, uh, the stress apparatus uh, usually they talk about the pituitary and the adrenals, but above the pituitary there is the corticotropin release hormone in the hypothalamus which turns on the whole stress system. This Uh, CRH, corticotropin release hormone, directly activates the uh, uh, nitric oxide in the blood vessels causing the flushing. And the things that turn on the stress reaction um, are primarily related to hypoglycemia. So if, if your brain senses it isn't getting enough sugar, it wants to, in effect, hibernate, reduce the body temperature, so it doesn 't waste the sugar which it 's short of hmm. and so if you can tell your brain that you have plenty of sugar, that will suppress the corticotropin release hormone, and that will stop turning on the nitric oxide and stop the flushing interesting
0: here 's an email from len i 'm a sixteen year old sixty year old male and every now and again, not often but Oh, several times a year, sometimes more. I have a panic attack that lasts about 60 minutes. feel like I'm going to die, but I don't. And I'm just wondering how I can possibly find the root cause of these. Thanks for your help.
1: <laughs> um, Hyperventilation is often involved in that and uh, a hormone imbalance. And uh, checking the thyroid, uh, Probably having a blood test for uh, all the steroids as well as the thyroid hormones.
0: The steroids, What? Uh, those are...
1: Uh, such as uh, progesterone, mm-hmm. pregnenolone, and cortisol.
0: Oh, and a blood test can do that? Yeah. And, and that, that gives you, if they get out of balance, then the body might do a whole anxiety attack thing?
1: Um, yeah, when your progesterone is low or your estrogen is high, tends to cause hyperventilation. And once you start hyperventilating, the the loss of uh, carbon dioxide causes your blood cells to release serotonin and other uh, nerve transmitters that uh, cause all kinds of uh, uh, nervous and and emotional effects.
0: So that's why people breathe into a paper bag. Yeah. Yeah. Did
1: that work? Oh, yeah. I've seen people um, lower their blood pressure in two or three days and uh, never have another um, uh, problem of, of, for example, 160 over 90 or 100 blood pressure uh, with several times a day for two or three days. people can very often get their blood pressure down as easily as that.
0: So what are you doing? You actually I've never seen I've seen people do it but I've never done it. Do you actually put it over your mouth and uh, your nose?
1: Yeah, pinch it tight around uh-huh. your your face so you can't get any fresh air. Right. And uh, just breathe. You you inhale so it collapses the bag and then blow it back in the bag. <laughs> and uh, it just takes about a minute before it gets really oppressive. Uh, hot and humid but at the same time you've uh, used up the oxygen and are starting to breathe almost pure CO2 which gets very uncomfortable so you you can only do it for uh, until it is uh, too uncomfortable but each time you do that it tells your brain uh, to reset things and tolerate a little more uh, carbon dioxide and uh, acidity and in two or three days you can uh, train your brain to uh, uh, hang on to more carbon dioxide, which uh, improves circulation of the brain. I'll be doing. And uh, that same effect you can get briefly by uh, baking soda in water. I've, I've seen a couple of people uh, have just almost instantaneous recovery from a stroke by drinking some... Uh, Baking soda, which opens up the blood vessels in the brain. In the
0: brain. So when you d- had the paper bag thing, is that breathing through your nose or your mouth?
1: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's
0: all going to the same place.
1: Y- yeah, and it's all humid. so. <laughs>
0: I, it, 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 I'll be done. And the COT, CO2 that you're breathing in opens up the, the brain and helps y- everything just kind of get uh, reboot your brain a bit.
1: Uh, yeah, but not only the brain, it also happens to activate the mitochondria all through your body. Wow. So it's making things more efficient.
0: Very interesting. I'll be done. Uh, and people have told us, I think I'm correct, that when we breathe through our mouth at night rather than through our nose, that can cause to get rid of too much CO2 and could be a problem.
1: Um, Is it, that right? Yeah. Uh, that, um, the that... Um, Medical uh, opinion is often that people don't breathe enough during the night, but when you look at their changes of pH and Mm -hmm. the actual blood chemistry, Mm -hmm. the the usual thing is that they hyperventilate during the night because as their blood sugar is pushed down to go to sleep, their adrenaline comes up periodically. Mm -hmm. And the the adrenaline and uh, changed disposition of the sugar um, makes them... uh, have, in effect, higher estrogen, higher uh, inflammatory uh, hormones uh, that drive hyperventilation and blow off too much carbon dioxide. And uh, uh, then they don't breathe for a while. so they Then they wake up. They yeah. wake up uh, with uh, feeling that they have died or yeah. haven't, haven't yeah. been breathing enough. And uh, the the best chemical treatment for that is... Uh, uh, a chemical called diamox or acetazolamide that causes the body to retain more carbon dioxide, which keeps stimulating the brain to keep breathing at the right speed, but it prevents the body from uh, losing the carbon dioxide that holds it in the blood. Diamox, what
0: is that? How do you spell
1: that? Uh, D-I-A-M-O-X, that's the brand name.
0: PIA, is that a prescription or just go over the counter?
1: A Prescription. Yeah, Diamox. And it just and, helps. And it's well-established as a, a cure, basically, for the um, sleep apnea.
0: I'll be darned. Diamox. Never heard of that one.
1: And it's also uh, used uh, commonly for skiers who go to very high altitude to prevent altitude sickness. I'll be darned. Uh, because yeah. uh, rather than lack of oxygen, Altitude sickness is uh, essentially a lack of carbon dioxide.
0: But it's not really a cure, Doctor P. Would it be? It's more of a treating the symptoms. So you'd have to take it ongoing, or
1: well, yeah. Hmm. Sometimes, sometimes it, uh, it gets it going. Uh, uh, if, uh, well, it's like a thyroid. Sometimes uh, two or three days of a thyroid supplement is all a person needs and their own gland will take over. It's the same with sleep apnea. Uh, Sometimes they can get out of the stress and uh, uh, not have another problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually you have to work on finding why the hormones are going bad, especially at night. Uh, Get your blood sugar stabilized. Uh, Get a good diet, enough protein and enough fruit in the diet and uh, sup- supplement the thyroid As long as it's needed
0: mm-hmm. What was the other name you had for Diamox?
1: Acetazolamide Ac- Is the chemical name
0: Acetazolamide
1: uh, It's a, a diuretic is it's traditional use But um, it's probably Most often used now for high altitude I'll be done. Thickness Interesting.
0: So speaking of sleep While we're there for a minute um, if, if folks Insomnia as you know is just a it's an epidemic around our country. People just waking up can't get to sleep. They fall asleep, can't get back to sleep. They wake up. What are, are are there any particular foods or things that you have seen over the years that help to facilitate people getting a better night's sleep? Food or or nutrients? Um.
1: Yeah. A very practical, simple thing is um, a glass of warm milk with uh, an ounce or two of either sugar or honey in it. Uh huh. And Mm -hmm. Uh, The the milk uh, makes the uh, sugar or honey absorb more slowly, uh, and the um, effect of the sugar is to lower your adrenaline, uh, which uh, the older a person gets, the uh, uh, more problem they have with uh, sleep hypoglycemia causing increased adrenaline. And that that can lead to uh, high blood pressure problems so that... uh, Old people who are told uh, to uh, uh, take a a blood pressure drug uh, will um, often get worse insomnia as their blood sugar falls and their adrenaline goes up, and and sometimes just by eating enough sugar and salt uh, during the day and a little extra at bedtime, they can not only uh, cure their insomnia, but Sometimes their blood sugar uh, is corrected enough that the blood pressure problem disappears.
0: So actually, low sugar before bed may help things sleep.
1: Um, yeah, especially when it's with um, a food like milk or something that keeps it in the stomach for a, a while,
0: like uh, mm, butter or something, or yeah, some fat. I- ice cream. I- oh, ice cream! Wow, that's now you're now you're my kind of doctor, man. Ice cream. <laughs>